0: now i've hit it this
1: is never heard of a podcast i'm sean harwell this is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen right on through our cracks joined today by crack commander craig morehead craig morehead please say hello and let me see what can i can ask you favorite beverage craig
0: uh, hello. My favorite beverage. Whew. Tab. Man, I wasn't ready for that one, Sean. Is it, is it tab? No. Okay. No, I don't think it's a, that's the thing. I don't <laughs> think it's going to be a soda. I think the closest I come to a favorite beverage would be a milkshake. Ooh, Maybe okay, that's good uh, call. yeah, but I'm glad you asked. I'm glad I've, I've explored that part of my life now. Well, what do you say we
1: shut this down and go get some milkshakes?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about it right Ooh, now. I good. could go for something.
1: Other than that and craving milkshakes, how are you?
0: I am doing all right, Sean. I can't complain. Uh, how are you doing?
1: Uh, much like yourself, in need of milkshakes and can't complain otherwise. Um, mm-hmm, it's been a mm-hmm. beautiful week here in North Carolina. We've got groundhogs hanging out in our backyard. It's kind of fun to watch. That seems fun. Going to get some rain this weekend, Craig. And that concludes the weather report for Asheville, North Carolina.
0: <laughs> well, I saw a squirrel. Did I already say this? I saw a squirrel chasing a rabbit You the did other day.
1: not see that.
0: I did. It, it it was it was so um not heartwarming, <laughs> but it was very interesting to watch. You know, if it was two rabbits chasing each other, who cares? Two squirrels chasing each other, I don't I don't want to see yeah. that either. But a squirrel chasing a rabbit, that just feels like it implies a story, you know what I mean?
1: There are millions of views waiting for that YouTube video, Craig. You didn't you didn't have your phone?
0: I didn't. And I'll tell you what, Sean, I, I you know, I I've wanted to be a a, a movie maker since I was probably seven years old, and I, to this day, anytime I see something interesting, the last thing I think about is pulling out my camera. I know, right? Maybe that says everything anyone needs to know about me, <laughs> but let me talk about what people need to know about our podcast, John. Hey, good idea. And where they can find it. Here's where you can find it. We have a website, neverheardofitpodcast.com. You can find every single episode on that website, and you can read words typed into a computer by one of us on many of those episodes we're also we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram so you can reach out to us if you want to if you want to suggest a movie if you've seen something that you think more people should see or or you just want to hear somebody talk about so you don't feel so lonely i know i i like that let us know and then uh uh, you can find us on itunes on stitcher on spotify uh you can subscribe there, you can leave reviews, and we can just uh we can just keep uh, going round and round on this big blue marble. What do you think about that, Sean?
1: I love it. I love okay. being on marbles. Mm-hmm. I hope the people have done everything that you asked them to and checked out all those places and subscribed and and are listening and are up to date. We talked about Bugsy Malone, the gangster musical starring an all child cast from 1976. Some of you may be noticed that it sounded like I was in a phone booth. (laughs) These things happen when computers and microphones are involved, sorry about that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think you wanted to make a quick correction to something you said during that episode. And maybe we should go ahead and do that now, and then we'll, we'll talk uh, movies.
0: That's a good idea. Uh, yes, Craig's Correction Corner. So last week, I said that I'd watched this documentary called Walt, The Man Behind the Myth. Uh-huh. And somehow, from that film, I uh, gleaned the idea that there was a strike at his animation studio, and that he was such a stand-up guy <laughs> that he struck with his, uh, with his employees.
1: Now, that's not correct.
0: That is not correct, Sean. Did he
1: strike his employees?
0: He Well, luckily, there's no reports of that in the okay. movie either. But, uh, I mean, that's a silly idea all, on its face that he struck with the people striking against him. I don't know what that would gain you. Uh, I, I had a different idea about what that story was about. So I went back and I watched it and I read up on it. and. Basically, what it sounds more like now, and maybe this is some of my own cynicism creeping in, so I'm not going to vouch for all of the accuracy of what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it's closer to the truth, is that Walt, his, his workers were not unionized in 1941, and while he was, apparently while Disney Studios were known to have very good pay among animation studios, uh, he was not unionized. And then when, uh, when union leaders started coming and talking to him, he decided that they were communists. Yeah. And he decided that any animators who wanted to unionize were communists, fired many of them, named their names uh, in front of the House on Un-American Activities Committee. Isn't that interesting how that's almost the complete opposite of what you yeah. said? <laughs> well, well, what's interesting to me is even though a lot of that information is, is in that section of the movie... Walt is certainly portraying himself as someone who is protecting his employees from these unions. Oh, from communism, yeah. Yeah, and and, and it's, it's very, it's real slippery because, man, he is so folksy. And mm. the way he's saying stuff, he's like, well, this guy comes in and he wants me to, you know, sign this contract with this union. But I'm not just going to sell my boys down the river, you know, for you know, somebody I don't know and all that kind of stuff when it's really like, no, you just don't want them to unionize because you don't want to like have to pay them more. I think like like a lot of his a lot of his people there had very legitimate gripes about how he was paying them. And sure, apparently he also gathered them all together around that time and gave a big speech to everyone about how, you know, sometimes when you're feeling grumpy, you just need to cheer up kind of like basically that was.
1: And that's how Snow White and the Seven Doors were born, right? Right, right. That's why they ended up with uh, you know penises in the background of Little Mermaid or whatever it is. Yeah, animators getting. I was going to say that kind of stuff started making
0: a lot more sense. Yeah, I, I still I still really recommend watching that documentary though because there is a lot of really cool stuff about the the ways in which they uh, uh, you know spearheaded a lot of technology and, and uh-huh. animation and stuff. Um, But yeah, don't go into it about whether or not Walt's a good guy. It doesn't really matter. He's gone. Don't worry about whether or not he's a good guy. (laughs) And I I apologize for uh, (laughs) leading anyone astray.
1: Well, that was an excellent correction corner, Craig. Thank you. Before we get into our movie today, which is Dogfight... Mm -hmm. you want to tell us what else you've been watching uh do you have any other lies you want to spread about any other uh, studio hit honchos
0: yeah absolutely um the head of paramount (laughs) is actually a chicken no but um uh, i haven't watched a lot the only thing i watched uh, since we last talked was thor the dark world i think and the only thing I really have to add about that, I, I, I'd seen it before. We were watching stuff with, with my son, you know, filling in the blanks like we've, yeah. we've talked about before.
1: Are you still going through the whole thing with him?
0: No, that that's that's pretty much the last one. And actually, okay. we were leaving that one out. We were, we were originally going to go see Endgame before now, but then we couldn't this last weekend. And so we said, well, let's just go ahead and watch this one. Gotcha. And honestly, I'll just say I had this idea in my head that that was a terrible movie. I really don't think it was that terrible. Okay. That's... That's all I really have to say about it. But what about you? What did, did you watch anything this week? I,
1: like you, watched one movie and not at all like Thor Dark Dark mm-hmm. what is that one? The Dark World? Is that The Dark it World? Is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I still haven't even seen that one. But I, I, I feel like, yeah, I got pretty much panned across the board for Yeah. One of if you the, like Thor
0: as a character, like like just do it. Like there's nothing it's not as bad as Iron Man Two. I okay. gotta throw that out there.
1: Yeah. Um I watched something very different. Yes. Cleo from Five to Seven, the film from Agnes Varda, the late Agnes Varda, who just died recently
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the spearheads of the whole French New Wave thing. I really liked that movie, man. It was more accessible than I thought it might be, honestly. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know why I came into that with that preconception, but... Really strong female lead and just uh, an interesting character study, if nothing else. And then, man, there's like, there's no other city that quite looks like Paris in movies, I think. Like, And I I don't, you know, I would love to go there, but I feel like it would only disappoint me based off of Mm -hmm. what it looks like in movies. Because it just looks amazing in every, I don't know, somebody name a movie where you're like, Paris, no, that looks like a... (laughs) Dog turd, I'm not going to go there because I haven't seen it because, man, that one was just like, this looks like a good place. This looks like a cool, cool place. Anyway, that's it. I've got a couple others I'm working my way through that I've had to break up Mm -hmm. into piecemeal a little bit. But, yeah, next time we talk, I think I'll have quite a few under my belt.
0: Yeah, hopefully I will, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but until then, what do you say we talk about dogfight?
0: Let's dogfight it.
1: We have a tradition in the Marines. The rules are simple. Each of the guys puts in 75 bucks. You set up a meeting place and time. Excuse me. Hi. And then you go out and see what you can bring back. Dogfight is from 1991. As we mentioned in the tee-up, it was directed by Nancy Savoca, or Savaka, depending on how you pronounce it. Written by Bob Comfort. You've got River Phoenix, Lily Taylor, Richard Oh, where did we come down on this? Pana Bianco?
0: That's perfect.
1: Anthony Clark, Mitchell Whitfield, Holly Near as Rose Senior. Uh, Elizabeth Daly played Marcy, who I want to talk about. She was great. Sue Morales, should mention her. She played Ruth Two Bears. Mm-hmm. And Brendan Fraser, who you spotted and I somehow missed uh, as uh, one of the sailors who gets in a fight later in this movie. I think this was his first actual credit. Yeah. Dogfight Craig, if you'll recall from having watched it, has the following synopsis from IMDb. Before leaving to fight in Vietnam, a group of teenagers play a game where they try to seduce the ugliest girl they can find. Not a nice thing to do on a Saturday night. Not at all. Nonetheless, they did it. We watched it. You suggested this movie, and I'd like to know what you thought of it
0: uh man i really like this one i gotta say this is one of those movies where you know i I had to break this one up and watch it piecemeal sometimes a movie when i sit down to watch it the next night i'm like oh well i gotta get all i gotta do is get through 10 minutes of this Mm -hmm. this one i would forget about how long i've been watching it it pulled me right through there it's great and bittersweet and kind of sad to see river phoenix at all like i I just can't get the thought out of my head i can't believe that guy's gone yeah but i mean I think this is really well cast. I don't know. I, I'm really surprised this movie is is still as small as it is and not not really talked about more. I don't know. I, I I thought it was pretty terrific. What about you?
1: Could well, I was gonna say could not agree more. But I I might be able to agree oh. even more than that. I thought All this right. was fantastic, dude. Yeah. I think you hit a bullseye here, man. I'm with you. I don't know why this movie has not been mentioned more, especially just given the fact that he died. You know, it feels like yeah. even like a movie like Running on Empty, the Sydney Lamette movie that he's in. I feel like I see more of that, or it gets mentioned more. I'd seen it, you know. I think it got Mm shown in film school, as a matter of fact. And, you know, he's got a very limited filmography given how long he lived. I don't know why this one isn't more prominent on it because, A, I think it's a really different role from him. And he's great in it, of course. Mm -hmm. And it's just a damn good movie. Yeah. I don't know. Like, why? Well, I need to watch more of her movies, but why, like, yeah, why is Nancy Savoca not mentioned more? I mean, she handled this stuff so, so well, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with the casting, but even still and we'll, we we got to talk about that concept i mean it that's a dicey thing to balance and i do credit yeah. the writer bob comfort for for walking that line but i think a lot of it probably comes from the approach to it given the performances but man it's just strong and it reminds me of a time when movies like this <laughs> could get made and yeah. exist, and I thought of Flags of Our Fathers. Have you seen that uh, Richard Linklater movie from, I guess it was the last year or year before? Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah, you know, I think that's the same writer that did The Last Detail, the the Nicholson movie. Right, right, How right. Ashby think, if not, I know it was like a spiritual sequel, and it's kind of small like this and has like a military you know, side to it. The tone is very similar, I mean, I think this is probably a better movie, but that said, like, that was the only other movie I could think of yeah. where it just feels like this. You know, I don't know. Like, it doesn't have that kind of Sundance thing to it where it feels like it's sneakily trying to win an award. It doesn't have, like, a hipstery right. soundtrack to it, you know?
0: <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too, that I kept thinking about was, I mean, maybe this just, you know, if this had come out three years later or something, when, I, I don't know, when indies really... St- really were catching fire and yeah. Sundance was becoming a bigger and bigger deal and if it was at Sundance the year Pulp Fiction was at Sundance or something maybe that would have made it you know I don't know
1: yeah our Clerks I mean
0: right it's I mean it is really it's such a good movie With just, it's such an interesting story. And it just feels like it's just played just right. I mean, man. Yeah.
1: Well, and I I think, you know, as much praise as we can shine on River Phoenix is warranted. But I don't know, man. I think Lily Taylor makes this movie.
0: Yeah. Well, and I want to talk about that for sure. Yeah.
1: Without her, I don't know. Because she is the victim in this thing in a lot of ways. And she Mm -hmm. doesn't, it doesn't last long. She's not that. And it's not just about heartbreak. You know, the actual dogfight is less than half of the movie. Oh,
0: maybe. Oh, man, it's, it seems like it's only the first act.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it might very be well be. Yeah. And then it moves into this other territory that it becomes romantic, but I, I marveled at like how long they kept these two people spending time together, ostensibly on an extended date, mm-hmm. without it feeling completely phony. Yeah. Because she's got all the reasons in the world not to like this guy. Yet, how many movies make that mistake of like, well, she's just kind of into him, you know, because they're right. on a date and they're movie stars, you know, and that's what's supposed to happen. Right. This things.
0: movie that they have to be together. So, yeah.
1: And it's like, no, it just didn't feel like that in this one. So I really, really tip my hat to that. And that I think definitely. I would assume, is a product of the screenplay in the, in a lot mm-hmm. of regards. But again, just the way they handled it and the way Lily Tomlin, or Lily Taylor, excuse me. I'm probably going to do that more than once because <laughs> I kept thinking it the whole time during the movie. Yeah. I was like, Lily Tomlin, Lily Tomlin. No, it's Lily Taylor. She's so good. She's so she is. good. Okay, well, let's get into the details a little bit. Let's do it. Pretty simple setup here. Uh, the movie is bookended somewhat in, what is this? Is it 66,
0: I think? Yeah, I was going to say, for some reason I had 63 in my head, but yeah, I mean, 66 would be just as good. Well,
1: I think, yeah, when he's on the bus, when he comes back to San Francisco, Mm -hmm. I feel like that is 66. I could be wrong. Anyway, yeah, you kind of got River Phoenix on a bus. He's looking a little somber. He's got his fatigues on. But, like, his shirt is open. He's very casual in it.
0: Right, right, right.
1: He goes into a diner and the news is on and they're talking about the mounting casualties in Vietnam, you know, and he's sitting by himself. That's a hard thing to hear, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then I think it cut. I think that was 1963 when it did the cut. Although, man, that's not a lot of time that passed. I kind of... Not a ton. No, but on the one hand, I'm kind of, like... He doesn't physically look like he's no. aged three years, so it works. I think it's just
0: yeah, his hair is a little sadder, but otherwise his hair is a
1: little sadder. Yeah, he looks maybe slightly thicker. But right. um you're on a bus with guys, you can tell, are like going to boot camp or just got out of it, and it's just like a raucous situation on this bus. And in the back there's these four guys sitting together. And that's River Phoenix, who plays a character named Eddie Birdlace. You got Richard Panabianco, who plays a character named Berzin. Anthony Clark plays Oki. Craig, we talked about this beforehand. He was the barber in The Rock.
0: Yes, if you remember the guy who's brought in to cut Sean Connery's hair. For some reason, I think that's the only other place I've seen this guy, and, and I remembered him. Yeah, when, as soon as I saw him in this movie. He's extremely
1: recognizable with an extremely recognizable Southern accent. Mm-hmm. Maybe he did some stand-up or something. Anyway, you, you see him, you'll recognize him. And then lastly, uh, Benjamin played by Mitchell Whitfield. You may notice there's bees involved in several of those last names. Uh, and mm-hmm. then Oki's last name, I think, um, was Buell. Buell. Yep. yep. So they call themselves the four Bs. They're these guys, obviously they've spent quite a bit of time together And another gentleman comes up uh, with a guy named Fector, and he wants to get in on the dogfight, on the action. He's got a girl he can bring, and he puts in his $50. They quickly get into that without it feeling too expository. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you know, you kinda know like if you, even if you haven't seen the synopsis, okay, something's up. They're planning something for that night. this is their R and R evening, and then they're they're shipping out the following morning, right? And all they gotta do is be back by uh is that muster? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Got a military muster. terminology yeah. is not gonna be good, folks. <laughs> and so, you know, they reconvene in the bus station after they get off the bus. Burzin acts as the drill sergeant tells them what they got to do, go out and find a girl, good hunting gentlemen, fall out. And you get a nice little sequence where these guys are doing their best to find the ugliest girl they can possibly find. Highlights from that sequence. Uh, That's where Ruth Two Bears appears, who uh, appears to be a somewhat slightly older Native American woman that Benjamin tries to say he thought she was someone else that he'd been exchanging letters with, blah, 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 blah. And then he talks her into coming. River Phoenix is kind of striking out, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And then he walks into a diner, Rose's diner. The lady behind the counter is a little curt with him. A lot of people are kind of curt with these soldiers. They're not so much giving them the time of the day. But in the back of this diner, there's a girl dressed in a waitress outfit who is plucking on a guitar, singing quietly to herself. Phoenix spots his target, and he pursues. Uh, what did you think about her introduction there, Craigie?
0: I mean, I thought that was pretty great. First of all, it, it had that feeling of like, yeah, you were about to meet the other very important person in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a little mystery to it and everything. Man, really the thing that I liked so much about this, and, and it kind of came out right, right at this point, was... Both of these actors, and certainly the way they're playing these roles, both of them have a very gentle way of talking. Yes. And you know what River Phoenix is there to do. And that is is, is disturbing. And then you have this girl who's just so innocent, very gentle. I guess there's a part of me that was kind of feeling already, even though it wasn't really um, obvious, kind of feeling already that River Phoenix was kind of feeling like this isn't great.
1: Oh, yeah? yeah okay i didn't quite pick him that's a good observation
0: he's he's very confident in everything yeah but yeah i don't know i don't know i just remember there were there were little bits of that where i was kind of like it's like it's like becoming less funny to him the more he talks to her or something
1: yeah and i think you're probably right i think if i went back and looked at it i think there i'm sure that's coming through his performance a little bit but man yeah yeah, it is, it is such a good job of making you feel like she is the lamb heading to the slaughter. It oh, is absolutely. So and she's so, yeah, she's so trusting. Like, yeah. so
0: And she just... To be complimented by this guy, you know, this like yeah. good looking dude, you know, it's, it's it's what any of us would respond to, you know, at some point.
1: No, and like she, they did a good job of making her, you know, I don't want to say completely unattractive because it's not, it's not like big or loud as far as her appearance right. goes, really. But her hair is kind of a mess, you know, there's yeah. definitely not any makeup going on yeah. and she's dressing this frumpy out, you know, waitress outfit. It's just yes, so shy, so innocent, so soft-spoken too. And I, I wondered at what point they would have to take her out of that too, you know. And that's yeah. we'll get into that a little bit because yeah, that that turn works really well for me. But it's just handled so well. I mean, even the fact that we first time you see her, you just see the back of her. And that's Mm -hmm. just a really good staging choice, I think, you know, because it's like, oh God, is she like, is Quasimodo about to turn around, you know? And it's like, no, but she's also not, you don't really see, you know, there's so many of these movies I feel like that did like, oh, the nerdy girl becomes the prom queen or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, no, 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 no. That's not this movie at all. Like, there's no hint of that from when she turns around. She is not going to turn no. into a beauty like that. There's not a makeover yes. montage that's ever going to happen in this thing.
0: Well, and that's that. The two things. One thing I didn't even think about till just now, the way they introduce her that way with her back to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see her face. He doesn't... Yeah, exactly. ...decide that she's a dog for the dog fight. Really, he can't. Nope. He is is pulled over there for... I mean, f- essentially for that reason. But, I mean, he doesn't... I don't know. That's that's interesting to me. But the other thing, too, is... Yes, exactly. She's not going to take her glasses off at some point. Right. And <laughs> become suddenly beautiful. Be beautiful. <laughs> or, or, or look completely different or something. Right. And that's what is really amazing about the casting of Lily Taylor. Yeah. Is... She doesn't look like any other actress. No. And I don't find her ugly.
1: At all. But at the same
0: time, yeah, at the same time, it is is perfect for this subject matter and she is perfect for it.
1: Yeah, and and there is a transformation by the end of it with her character and her appearance, but it is not, we'll get to it obviously, but it is, it's completely organic like it and it doesn't. It's not exaggerated. Right. And some of that is a product of the era, I think, a little bit, too. You know, you've got the whole hippie thing going on. Anyway, unfortunately... Through all of River Phoenix's BS about (laughs) knowing Woody Guthrie and this other Jim Swain, Jim Swain, this other songwriter, you know, he's really trying to lay it on thick and she's calling his bluff politely at every moment. Uh, He's not really getting anywhere with her. He tries to invite her to a party, but you know, she's got to work at this diner. And then when they close up, her mom, who's Rose, she'll be alone. And so, you know, it's not really it's not really her thing like she can't really go out right he leaves heads out she has a change of heart again like all that stuff is handled so well it's like no don't don't don't, don't, don't
0: have a change of heart and and even when she goes outside to say, hey, yeah, I'll go to the party, he's already hitting on someone else. Yep,
1: across the street and not getting anywhere with that. And she still is like, hey, you know, Eddie. Yeah. And I totally bought that. I totally bought that. Yeah, she just absolutely. naively just thought he was talking to this other girl probably about the weather or something or asking what time the place closed. Yeah. She runs back inside to change her clothes and tells her mom she's going to a party. By the way, there's an old lady sitting in the front booth of that diner i really think that was uh ruth ann from northern exposure right i think you're right i think you're absolutely right doesn't have a i kept expecting her to get a line in this movie i wonder if she had one and they cut it because they they really feature her prominently i was like is this the grandma or something
0: well and and you have that moment when he walks in he looks at her where he's considering it he's like maybe maybe her yeah
1: actually i'm sure that's why she was there was to like be a potential target but that's too far gone (laughs) Yeah, She runs back in. Uh, Her and her mother live above the diner. And I really love this sequence where she goes up and she's trying to decide what to wear. She's so happy. You know, the music is working. Mm -hmm. She's ultimately like overwhelmed by what she's got to do. You know, she's like falling back on the bed. And meanwhile, he's just outside leaning against the car, smoking, (laughs) (laughs) waiting impatiently. And you can just tell, like, I, I think that's a point where I got a little sign that he might be uncomfortable like he might bail you know yeah he doesn't she comes down the stairs and i loved it like she she looks like a slice of lemon pie or something like she's completely dressed in yellow with this yeah. one little pom poof of white on her hair that uh, i don't even know what that little pom-pom ball was exactly right. but uh it's amazing looking and they're off
0: and a good bit of eye makeup
1: yeah put on a little yeah. bit of eye makeup she put on a little bit of lipstick she keeps checking it she's nervous while they're on the, on their way there uh, they get to the entrance of a club, and he tries to talk her out of it. She's like, "No, I want to go. It's a party." He's like, "Well, you can just go dancing somewhere if if you want to or whatever." There's a moment, might have been before this, but right around this area, where he says, oh, "You know what? I, I really like that lipstick you had on. It, it looks like it's fading a little bit here. Can I? Uh, do you mind if I?" Oh. Yeah, that was so uncomfortable because he goes super thick with it, and like she looks like the Joker or something. Yeah, she just laughs. She's like, "Oh, you're te- you're worse at putting lipstick on than I am." <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> it was great. It was so. I mean, it's so hard to watch just because, like, I mean, she's just killing that that role there. I think for one thing, yes, just, you're so endeared to this character. And by the way, you really don't know much about either one of them
0: no that's true it's very much like in the moment
1: yeah and it, it just works like uh, i, I kind of think you don't need to in this situation i mean it's it's a case example where you sort of got these archetypes of you know innocent girl and soldier jarhead mm-hmm. that kind of just do all the work for you yeah i mean i feel like in some ways if they had really gone into backstory especially before this point you're just slowing down the movie right yeah. So they head into the club and this is where it's all going down. And I just sort of misread the opening, I think a little bit. I was expecting, okay, these just these like five, six guys are going to meet and do this thing, right? No. The club was booked for a private event and there's like probably like 40, 50 soldiers in there maybe. And they've all got ladies with them who are all uh, you know, Not tens on the typical female image scale uh, by Marines in 1963, right? Yeah. Should we talk about the uh, the four B's and specifically? I mentioned Marcy. I think she was my favorite of the gals that the other guys brought in, and that was uh, the lady that Burson brought in. Right. You know, she gets out of the car with him, and you're like, oh, she's she's pretty attractive. You know, she's got like lace stockings on, and she's done up to the nines. She's got a little mm-hmm. bit of a bouffant hairdo, and uh, then she smiles, Craig. And what do you see?
0: well sean she doesn't have any front teeth <laughs> she does and, not, I, and i mean probably her four front teeth are gone
1: but she's really playing into it and that's what i yeah. thought was so funny is that she's like smiling and laughing and like she's she's like that kid in uh, stranger things she's like licking her little teeth uh her right, gums right, right. with her tongue
0: really leaning into it yeah. i was just like where
1: did he find her like who is this crazy lady And again, Elizabeth Daly was the actress, though she did a fantastic job with that. Mm -hmm. They have a bunch of drinks at a table, the four B's and their four ladies. Rose Lily Taylor is sort of driving the conversation and asking about how they became friends. And the story they tell (laughs) I thought was also great, too, just because there was literally nothing to it. And in fact, like she has a line, she's like, Oh so you guys became friends by standing in line, and that is exactly I mean, that's really it, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> yeah, I liked that. I just I thought, you know what, that's probably not that uncommon. In an environment like being in the military where you're thrown to get, or college, you know, when you're thrown together with people you have no connection to whatsoever, but are sort of forced to form this little family or whatever. It's so, like, well, yeah, that's that's just who I was, who you set beside in class. Yeah. Alphabetically. River Phoenix is definitely being a little rude, I think is fair to say. Yeah. She's picking up on it. He's trying to pour my ties down her throat. She's ready to stop after two. The other dudes hit the dance floor with their ladies. They kinda of stay behind and she asks him why he's being so rude. If I'm not mistaken, he again suggests they get out of there. So you can tell this is not sitting well mm-hmm. with Mr. Phoenix. Now we should maybe point out this is not the first time that these guys have done this, right? Right. But I think that is is there to make us really believe that this is the first time he's felt this way because yeah. of who Rose is, right?
0: I, I That's what I'm guessing, yeah.
1: Fair enough. She's a lovely person, so why wouldn't he feel bad? And he is 19 now, so maybe he's slightly more mature than he was. Maybe.
0: <laughs> and he's also thinking about the fact that the next day he is shipping off to Okinawa.
1: That's true, and that's a good point. Whatever like I, I didn't yeah. even think about that, but yeah, I, I'm sure that's like weighing in the back of their minds. They have a bit of an argument, I think. She runs to the bathroom, to throw up. This is after we've established there's three soldiers in the corner judging all the girls as they dance with their soldier dates for the evening and ranking them on a scale, which makes the whole event even grosser. Mm -hmm. Our dear lady Gums, who is playing to them as well, (laughs) lifting up her skirt a little bit, licking those gums again. She's declared the winner. Yep. Shortly after that, she and Burzin make their way into the same bathroom where Rose is vomiting and we discover that Burzin paid this gal who it's implied I think she was a prostitute. Yes. Gave her 50 bucks to come on this thing and they won the pool and there's her money and that's the end of the date. Well, Rose comes out having heard all this And, once again, just like how they handled that because the conversation between Berzin isn't absolute. Like, there's still enough vagueness there that Rose is naturally asking questions of Marcy about, like, what exactly happened? Like, what are you talking about with this guy? What was this arrangement? Man, I thought she had some good lines there. Marcy says, you ever seen such a pack of pukes in your life? (laughs) Which is... uh, I've never heard people it's call good. it a pack of pukes, but I it's like a that a lot. Line. Yeah. And so she lays it out and explains it to Rose. And then she says, you know, it's not so bad. At least I got 50 bucks. All you got was sick. I mean, that's true. And Rose is just pissed. She comes out. She slaps River Phoenix across the face, lays into all of them, and is out of there. Part of me, I guess going into this, expected that plot line to play out a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did you feel like that was going to just kind of be over and done with first act? Or, I don't know, based on that synopsis or what you knew about this movie, Were you? I, I thought that might be the whole freaking movie. And, like, that's like a second act thing. Like, she finds out he's been lying the whole time. And then, you know, third act is, like, they repair their, you know, whatever little chemistry they had, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely I thought the whole movie was the dogfight, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, it would be coming to the realization would be a lot later in the movie. So yeah, definitely definitely a surprise, but also a good surprise. Absolutely, man. Because it felt like the movie was was moving a lot quicker.
1: Well, and think of all the bullshit you eliminate by having to like, oh, is she about to find out? You know, or like he's got to maintain this like you know facade right. and charade the oh, entire. God, yeah. Like that stuff just gets so old so quick so yeah I think there's a lot of good story lessons here about how to handle that stuff, so the bulk of the movie then is when she leaves and goes home and her mascara has run down her face, but her mom, oh her mom uh I really liked how she played it this Holly near, yeah, she's in her bedroom watching t v sees her come in, has to have seen that her makeup's a mess, and clearly she's been crying. But basically all she says is, all right, well, don't play your guitar too loud in your room, <laughs> like you know, right. um, which I liked. And yeah, like she goes in her room and, like she, you know, she's super sad, but she's listening to um, uh, Joan Baez, I think, at this point. And, uh, you know, it's some song about all men are false. And uh, I had the subtitles on and I really liked it. It was just good details. You know, we, we've established that she kind of wants to be a folk singer. And, you know, I'm glad they went back to that that stuff a little bit. Yeah. And then in comes River Phoenix. Now, we need to talk about this, Craig, because there was some nice little bits of comedy here when he shows up. He goes up to the back of this building and there's a fence he can't see over. Fairly late, in, well, I guess it was around 9 o'clock at night, right? And Because mm-hmm. uh, that gets mentioned by the mom. He scales the fence and immediately hear <laughs> a dog bark and he's oh, shit, and, and hops back over. She'll thought it was funny. <laughs> that is good. But he comes back with a bag of hot dogs. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we watched Band of the Hand Mm -hmm. were you a little disappointed he didn't come back with another dog that was in heat
0: or yeah or something (laughs) like equally as ridiculous yeah yeah i mean a little bit but i still think it's cool that he he found an all-night wiener store and and just got a whole big package of them yeah came back
1: with some wieners fed them to the dog they became quick friends or so we think he climbs up the back puts a piece of paper on rose's window promptly falls off the roof, back on the ground. The dog immediately starts barking again and trying to kill him, <laughs> and he hops back over the fence. Yeah. That worked for me. It's so broad like when you talk about it, but it totally worked. Um, I thought it was funny. Rose sees the sign. It says, sorry, let's go to dinner. She goes down through the diner, lays into him again. You know, He basically says, look, and I love this line too because it, <laughs> you have to keep in mind he's 19, right? He says, yeah. I don't apologize to anybody, or I don't apologize ever. It's like, what 19-year-old makes up their mind? Like, that's just one of the, you know.
0: Yeah, it's very 19 years old. Exactly. And I think that's something that that proves itself over and over again in this movie, is that they they really do remain teenagers throughout. I mean, him
1: especially. I mean, that's one of the things I really liked about his performance, is like, he just has this masculine aggression to him Mm -hmm. that feels so teenage to me.
0: Right. And
1: yet he's trying to be, you know, he's trying to be older than he is, you know, and uh, yeah. it just works. Well, I mean, he's a
0: Marine, you know, it's like, so you're a man, but yeah. I mean, he is, but look, you look at him and you're like, you're going to be a Marine? Yeah, nope. Like, man, you're a kid. So, yeah.
1: They have their conversation. He says his thing. And, and like, again, just like to have his hands, like, you know, I don't apologize ever Here I am. I apologize to you. I don't understand it. I don't understand a lot what's happening. But just if you don't ever want to see me again, just say so and we're done and I'll go home. Yeah. She says, all right, let's go to dinner. Let's just a regular date with regular people. I like how she handled that. I like how he handled that. Mm -hmm. Again, it didn't feel romantic. And that was like the key to me. Right. It really did not. It just felt like, okay, he sees something here where she's nice enough. They'll just be friends. Right. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they go out and they have a friendly night. I mean, that that's really the bulk of this plot, I think. It's punctuated by several highlights, I think. There is a lot spent on a very fancy restaurant where the maitre d' won't allow River Phoenix in because he's not wearing a jacket and tie. Mm-hmm. So they go wake up some thrift shop owner and say they're going to a funeral, and he buys a jacket and tie, and he goes back. But again, it's all sort of like shaded by his character and her character because he's kind of just driven again to make this guy pay. Like, you know, I don't get bested. I'm, you know, I'm a Marine. I'm a headstrong teenager. This is how I'm going to establish myself as an adult. If a guy tries to put me down at a restaurant, I'm going to go back in there. And he even says, what's the fucking line? Um, Someone dumps on me five pounds. I dump 50 on them. Which right. is so ridiculous. And she's just looking at him like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you spend time and energy on that? It's ridiculous.
0: Well, like, you're 19 years old. Like, how many times have you dumped 50 pounds back on anyone? Yeah. And how many times yeah. has anybody
1: dumped five pounds on you? It's just That's just right. the way you've perceived the world clearly. Like, you know, yeah. that's on you, well, buddy. And this
0: is how you want to be seen.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and there's a great little moment because she's like repeatedly asked, "Was like, why do you swear so much? Like, what is this? (laughs) Why do you sound like an animal?" And you know, they explain it away as like, uh, and I think that came up in the in the dogfight scene. It's like, well, this is how we talk as soldiers. You know, after a while, you just you don't even hear it, right? But to sort of like prove the point, when she orders off the menu and like just, I thought it was perfect. Like the delivery, she like creatively curses her order. Well, are you ready to order now? Or no.
0: Yes, goddammit. it, I'm going to have the, the the fucking poached salmon with the son of a bitching rice and uh, and a and a dirty bastard salad
1: with a with a shitload of roquefort dressing. Thank you.
0: And uh, who knows what this asshole wants?
1: It's just really funny. I mean, just solid right. humor. I thought,
0: and and it and it wins him over a little bit, totally. and it and it and that totally makes sense. It
1: is sort of a weird way for yeah for them to bond I guess. Right. The sort of parallel subplot of this is the other 3 Bs, you know, are out continuing to get wasted, going to an arcade, mm-hmm. getting in a fight with sailors. At one point they go to like a porno theater and get a blowjob from the same woman. <laughs> that scene was gross.
0: See, yeah, I'm I'm not sure I'm comfortable (laughs) enough to do that with any of my buddies uh, for many reasons. No, please
1: don't invite me to that party, Craig. Yeah. (laughs) No, sir. They're doing their thing. They go and they get tattoos of bees on their arm. That scene I thought was kind of funny because Oki is just talking the tattoo guy's ear off. He's like, just shut up. (laughs) But, you know, you you don't sort of abandon what River Phoenix has got to go back to in the morning, which I think that's, like, Mm -hmm. important, too, because of how the movie plays out in the last sort of... uh, you know, 10 minutes. The sort of real pivotal point for River Phoenix and Lily Tonk, Lily, God bless America.
0: Yep.
1: Ah, uh, feel really bad doing that. Lily Taylor. Lily, I'm just going to call her Rose. I should just be doing that anyway. Yeah. They go to a different kind of arcade and A, there's a moment where they're playing whack-a-mole and River Phoenix, <laughs> he is really, really into whack-a-mole and, you know, um, <laughs> just like lock your eyes on the bums and brain them. Yeah. Just beating the shit out of him, which again is like that's like such a teenage thing, just a teenage boy thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. But they go to this other area where it's just a room of all these like coin operated um, music machines, like the player piano, and there's like an old Victrola style thing. And of course, he puts a quarter in like all of them, so that they're all playing at once, just making this disastrous sound because <laughs> he's an immature idiot. Right, but that's where they have their first kiss, and even like even that man, like it worked so well for me, like I had already noted by that point it's like I'm really glad that it it hasn't turned romantic yet, mm-hmm. and but just like the way he approaches her was again, it was like false confidence, like he was felt like he was like trying to like be doctor smooth, but then would hesitate, yeah, you know, when it finally happened, it still wasn't like. The movie kiss where, you know, you, you got fireworks right. going off in the background or whatever. It's this, like, deep thing.
0: It's super awkward.
1: It really is. But it's not, like, cringe. It's not played for cringe humor or anything like that. No. To me, it didn't. Yeah, you know. Which I think is important. Like, And that, too, is, like, that's a hard thing to do, I'd have to imagine, as an actor, or yeah. director. They go back to her place. You know, he's intending, basically, to just say goodnight to her. And she says, well, you you know, you could come in for a while if you want. They go up, they sneak past the mother who's asleep. Man, Craig, I was totally anticipating the mom's going to wake up at some point, right?
0: Well, I'll ask you this. What point exactly did you think now's when the mom's going to walk in? Because I had I had that moment.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I pinpointed it to when they were in bed together. I mean, I, that would make the most sense, right?
0: Well, I, I disagree. Okay. What I thought was going to happen was... Lily Taylor goes into the closet to put her nightgown on. I thought mom was going to walk in with River standing in the middle of her daughter's room with like in his boxers. Yeah,
1: by himself. Yeah.
0: I, I Yeah, exactly. I could have sworn that was, what was going to happen. Then she's going to start throwing shit at him. There's going to be a chase out of the place. And I'm really glad that didn't happen.
1: So glad. Yeah. I mean, that was my bigger point. It's just thank goodness they didn't do that. Yeah. But yeah, she goes into this closet and like completely shuts herself in there and changes into, you know, a nightgown. I mean, it's covering everything. Uh, and then they get in bed together and, and they start making out. And again, it's it's not, you don't get anything more than those sort of like initial kisses and you're out. But before that, there's a bunch of good other small details. He's asking about the pictures of the folk singers on the wall. And like, she's enthusiastically talking about them after another moment I really liked, which i didn't mention from earlier in the night where she adamantly declares that Peter Paul and Mary are not folk singers when he mentions oh, their yeah. names. Oh yeah. That's a great conversation. And when he says something about we shall overcome, boy, she gets she doesn't want to hear it. She gets really pissed. You know, it's interesting too because I feel like that would that stuff probably rings really true to an older generation of uh, the moviegoers that probably would have seen this than us, you know, for sure. Man, it would have been nice if they would have embraced this movie too. You know,
0: <laughs> like yeah. probably
1: has more to offer them than than you and I. But anyway, they have their moment, and then they say goodbye again. It's nice. It's not over dramatic. She gives him her address. Mm-hmm. They're probably not going to see each other again, but she'll write, you know, and he'll write her, and mm-hmm. that'd be really nice. He goes back to the bus station. The guys are all there, almost falling asleep. And he very quickly, by the time they get on the bus, fabricates a story about what he'd been doing that night and says that he slept with an officer's wife who was in her 30s, but just unbelievably gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Oki, Benjamin, they both eat it up, hook, line, and sinker. But because none of them have slept at all that night, they fall asleep, and it's just Burzin and River Phoenix. Burzin knows he was lying because he saw Eddie Birdlace with Rose when they were out during the night, but didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And at this point, River Phoenix knows that Burzin hired Gums to be his date for that evening, and that's how he won the dogfight. So they had this nice, I don't know, I really like that conversation about how they were both just kind of full of shit. Right, Burson gets to have this kind of poignant thing about, yeah, everything's full of shit, but we're here, we're dealing with it, and that's what we have to do. Like, you, you know, just you kind of, like, can't get overwhelmed by it, which right. felt like a thing that needed to be said to River Phoenix by one of his... Peers. Um, it right. means something else coming from Rose, but it was nice to have it come from this guy Burson. I thought. Now, Craig, let yeah. me ask you about this because to me, one of the saddest moments of this movie, and one I don't know, I don't know 100 percent if it needed to be in here. River Phoenix ultimately tears up that slip of paper with her address and throws mm-hmm. it out the window. Yeah. What do you make of that?
0: I've, I've been puzzling over that since I saw it. So yeah. So Burson and him have that conversation about bullshit yeah you know i'll take your bullshit you take my bullshit we all take the army's bullshit all that stuff yeah and then river says well i won't tell if you won't essentially and they agree on that and then uh, okie asks uh for him to tell him again about the tell him again about the the, the officer's wife mm-hmm. and he starts telling it and while he's telling it you see him ripping up that ripping up her address and throwing it out the window yeah and i don't know yeah like i, I didn't really get it i was trying to figure out you know did he figure that 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 night really didn't mean anything, or or that it was it was pointless to try and continue a, a relationship with her, where, w- with him headed to Vietnam. Or I I really wasn't clear. What what did you come up with?
1: Well, I see, I wonder if it is in some ways like the filmmaker saying, "Okay, look, we know it's bullshit to think that these two people would keep in touch, right. so we're not even going to pretend like it's going to happen." He's a nineteen-year-old yeah. kid. He's not a man. He's not an adult. There's yeah. no future necessarily for these two people based on this night. So let's put the nail in the coffin on that and rip this up and throw it out the window. And I'm, um, yeah, I, I don't know, but I also wonder, but it's if interesting.
0: like, well, I mean, I mean, but you, you could have done the same thing and just had him accidentally leave it on the bus or something. Right. Like he very, it's a, it's a very conscious choice to rip it up and throw it out the window. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think mostly just because of what follows, right? Yeah. That's my thing. It's like, you could just see him put it in his pocket. And I, I feel like that might be enough because after the scene, we do cut ahead. And there's been mm-hmm. mentioned earlier in the movie from River Phoenix about, you know, the fact that he was leaving and where they were going with Rose. And he says, oh, we're being shipped out to Okinawa. You know, I'm kind of hoping that we'll actually just end up in Vietnam. You know, there's, you know, there's nothing going on there. It'll be nice, you know, easy peasy job. You know, again, this is before the war, obviously. Right. And then we'll get sent home again. When we do our hard cut, they're in Vietnam. They're sitting around talking. And the next thing you know, a mortar shell explodes. Benjamin gets hit, dead. Phoenix gets hit in his leg, and then the next, you know, he's being dragged out by Burzin and Oki, or just screaming that Benjamin's dead. And yeah, and I give him credit. Like clearly, they're not in Vietnam. You know, they just shot this somewhere right. else, and they kept it really contained and small. But you know, I, it felt like the rush of battle for all of yeah. forty seconds, or however long it needed to be.
0: Yeah, it worked just fine, yeah. and and I, I really liked how man how how that happened and. It's like all of them just became little boys. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just, just pure panic. And Oh, God, gotcha. yeah. No, no one's coming off as a grizzled hero or anything, which I think is most likely very true to life. Yeah.
1: Then we're back on the bus with River Phoenix, 66 or whenever it is. He's in his fatigues. He's clearly been through some shit, and and now we know what exactly. Uh, he gets off the bus in San Francisco, and you're basically – I mean, I don't know if that was specifically hate ashbury but the place looks a lot different, you know? There's yeah. a lot of hippies out, and he finds his way to Rose's Diner. There's a lot of different type of people walking around the neighborhood. He ends up going to a bar across the street. Nobody's in this bar. There's like three older dudes. Loved the casting of all of those guys, specifically the one bartender who has the most conversation with River Phoenix, who... Might be an actor named Bruce Pearson, I'm looking at it. But he's got, they start talking about tattoos, and he's got a tattoo of a dancing girl on his belly, He's very <laughs> large belly, which he's happy to show off and make dance. And it felt real. It felt like just a you know conversation you might have in an empty bar with some old timers, right? They ask him if he's a Marine and says, yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe even Vietnam comes up. And the second drink of gas, just like that one's that one's on me. You know, it's as simple as that. Like it, it doesn't have to be anything more. But just as far as like acknowledging that this kid's probably been through some shit, but right outside the window is a totally different world now. You know, and all these hippies, and, and even one of the hippies is like in passing says, "Hey, man, how many babies did you kill?" You know, yeah. it's like, Jesus. <laughs> it, it's interesting just putting that out there and that side of it out there. I mean, I'm not saying like it. it you know, definitely doesn't feel like this is a political movie like waving its flag about vietnam was was a worthy thing or anything like that like it that, right. like that's kind of as pointed as it gets i think but he asks about the diner and you asked about rose and if you know she's still there and then these guys are like well there's been a lot of roses over there and he makes his way across the street again and caesar he goes in and again like she does look very different but it's not that she's suddenly become glamorous, you know? She just looks mm-hmm. like an older, more mature woman, and she's done her hair differently, and she's dressing a little bit more like the hippie folk singer she always wanted to be, right? mm mm-hmm. Did they say anything, or do they just hug?
0: I think she said hi, or he says hi, or did he say hello, Rose, or something like that, but that's about the extent of it.
1: And then they hug, and it's a very long hug, and... I will say this man like i (laughs) would here's the downside of doing the tee-ups right i remember reading the thing about and i don't even know if we talked about this but i read it that they filmed the last scene on the first day and that it didn't sit Uh, that well with river phoenix because they hadn't figured out their characters to this point there was something in that moment where i felt like i could see it on his face like and I don't. I mean, I hate to say that too because it is. I do think it's a powerful. It does not detract from the movie. I don't think at all. But um, it, and it maybe just is like the the length that 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 hug is is played out, and you know, you do some cutting back and forth. But it's really nice too. Like I like in the wide shot, we can see that she's actually like she's leaning up towards him, where her heels aren't even on the ground. Like she's you know, yeah, she's willing to stay like that for a while. Just thought it was a nice conclusion, and it concludes very quietly and kind of somberly for for what the tone of the movie has been, you know, for the most part. I think that bar scene really kind of eased me into that, I guess. Like, it did, yeah. you know, it just it felt like it played out at the right pace and stuff. I don't know, like, overall, the ending there, what do you, you did that, is that completely, is that like a home run for you, or is it a triple?
0: <laughs> I, for I mean, for this movie, I think it is. I think it's a, it's a, a home run. It was smart to have that bar scene because something needed to be said, but I didn't want to see those two talk.
1: That's a great point. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I can't imagine a scene where they would have talked and would have felt like this is great. Because I mean, what were they going to say? Why didn't you write to me?
1: They had a million things to say, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And and, and I just kind of didn't want to hear any of them. Yeah. Like, I, I like the fact that, you know, we know that she has a forgiving nature, Mhm. And, and they did spend a pretty intense night of their teenage years together that clearly neither one of them is going to forget. Yeah. She doesn't seem any worse off. In fact, she seems like she's doing great.
1: Well, one of the things I like is, as opposed to so many, like, well, let's take Bugsy Malone, for example. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Completely different. You're pushing this love story and then they, they go off as a couple together. And mm-hmm. we talked about it. It was like, well, what the hell is the shelf life of that relationship? Right. Here, <laughs> right, I can look at this and go, I don't even necessarily care whether these two continue a romantic relationship, but I do feel like they could be in each other's lives just as, as friends or acquaintances. And I would totally sure. believe that. And that's enough right. for me.
0: Well, just, yeah, just those characters you understand the connection you understand yeah. that they have a connection i mean you believe it and it's yeah it's not that they have the love to end all loves <laughs> or anything like that right it's just like look you, you we've all had a relationship kind of like this you know mm-hmm. something that may have started off casual or even not nice yeah <laughs> kind of became something else and and i mean it's it's all kind of a, a mystery how it works anyway but it's yeah i, I like that ending i think that, i think that worked really well
1: And I think it's, again, like it's impressive in the sense that I I think it's tricky to have like your main storyline and then go away from that. Like in this case, Vietnam, but then come right back to it like five minutes later and having had like three years past time. Like that's.
0: I honestly didn't think for a second we were even going to get to Vietnam.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. Honestly. Yeah, it never really crossed my mind.
0: I really felt like and, and I mean, I probably knew that. I I probably read something that would have should have led me to believe that. But when he was running down the middle of the street, I could have sworn blackout to credits. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be. Yeah. And oh, what a nice night they had. Yeah. So the fact that they kept going and it still worked for me, I think is is amazing. I mean, this is this is a really good movie.
1: I agree wholeheartedly, Craig. Anything else you want to say about? I mean, there was lots of little details I thought were nice. I really we skipped over it entirely, but I really liked during the night when they ended up at the venue, this little coffee shop bar where clearly that's where the folk singer, you know, Hootenanny goes down. (laughs) And you get this nice little moment where instead of having a packed house and he wants to hear her sing, it's empty. And River just asked her if she'll sing a song. She's as shy as you would expect, yeah. and self-conscious as you expect. But she sits down at the piano and she plays her a song. It's not amazing, it's not perfect, but she does it well. And the words had meaning. And uh, I just, there's a nice little scene. And there's, you know, yeah. there's a bunch of those. So yeah. for me, it's I think it's an absolute must for most of our listeners probably that they should check this movie out. Abso- you know, If you're a River Phoenix fan or like you, you don't know about this movie and obviously you've seen a bunch of his other stuff, you got to see this one. It's definitely, I think, the lost performance as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned and, and from what I know of his filmography. A great Lily Taylor, great Lily Taylor oh, performance man. as well.
0: Yeah, I can't say enough about her. And just going back to that scene where they have the disagreement about the folk singers and, you know, he's kind of laughing off this thing that means a lot to Mm -hmm. her. One thing that struck me at that point was, you know, I'm kind of imagining Rose as someone who doesn't have, let's say a ton of suitors. Yeah. And so a guy coming in and hitting on her is a special thing. Maybe not like the only time or anything, but, but, you know, a special thing. And even so, you know, being on this date with this guy, I just like the fact that, that, that as a character that she really, uh, stood up for herself and so on yeah 100 percent. you know what i mean like like she she the way she felt about things was important to her and and she would voice that opinion you know and 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 you know maybe maybe a uh a, a more uh fearsome or a more fearful person would uh you know just oh haha yeah i agree with you kind of thing and so i just i liked that dynamic a lot like yeah she wasn't going to take any shit from him
1: yeah she gets to say her piece about it. and her point of view is completely valid yeah uh, good stuff. Craig, I watched this movie on Voodoo. It was free with advertisements. Mm-hmm. Is that where you watched it?
0: It is where I watched Voodoo, and I'd like to um, voice a concern about Voodoo uh, <laughs> for do. a moment. Yeah. Is, I, I watched on Apple TV. Maybe that's a part of the problem.
1: I all did as I well.
0: know, All I know is when I went onto my Voodoo and I searched for dogfight, I, I tried to search, but for some reason I could not type dogfight into the search. No matter how many buttons I pushed, it would not come up with dogfight. So then I had to go and try and find dogfight without searching for it, and that was very difficult. And then I found that like I would watch it, and then when I'd come back to watch it again, I didn't have anything that said continue watching this, mm. which was kind of a bummer. So when I found it again, I had to put it on a wish list. I just I I, I think Voodoo is great in terms of man, they really they, I mean, they're giving you stuff for free. I have no problem with that. But man, I mean, uh, trying to like continue watching something was was kind of a chore.
1: Not the slickest experience. Not the, the ads slickest. are slightly intrusive. Yeah, I had a a local ad for plasma donation pop up during my <laughs> during oh. my experience, which was fun.
0: Yeah, it does seem odd. Like it seems like maybe they're inserted with an algorithm or something, because it seems like a mm-hmm. a scene will sort of start and then they'll just cut to a commercial. Yeah, and come back. So. Yeah. If
1: that sounds like it's going to annoy the hell out of you, it probably <laughs> will. It is available to rent at various digital and online services. So yes. maybe look there if you don't want to do it on Voodoo, but again, it made an impression on us. Ads be damned. So
0: Ads be damn
1: check it out come back next time we're gonna have a whole new slate for the month of june and we'll get into it uh craig any last words
0: uh yes this will be the last podcast i will be speaking on for a little while
1: no it's
0: true but i think everyone's gonna be just fine as i understand it good friend of the podcast brian crane will be stepping in to fill my enormous shoes
1: yeah i don't know fill is a strong word but yeah Mm. he'll put them on Anyway,
0: fair enough. Uh, I hope he doesn't trip over him in any way, <laughs> and uh, and those are those are my last words for for now.
1: Cool. No pressure, Brian. We'll talk Mm-mm. next time. Bye, bye, y'all.
0: Bye, bye.